Hello everyone, I'm Stella. I'm Sophia. And I'm Vanessa. We host Generation Discourse. Generation Discourse is a platform for young people to come up with, share, and discuss ideas within the realm of theory and the abstract. You'll find us talking about philosophy, current events, and social concerns. You're listening to part two of our conversation on philanthropy. Unlike the previous episode, this installment centers more around how to give. Do you think that, like, um, this kind of, the, like, monopolies are just going to be a natural product of, like, human behavior and, like, consumer behavior? Um, I think in the consumer culture that we have now, it does seem to be a, it, it does seem inevitable, as it were, but I think if there were more government restrictions in place that could protect smaller businesses from being, you know, massively outcompeted by these mega corporations that essentially control the flow of money around the world, there could be more protection, I think, um, to ensure market is controlled by a small amount of uh, corporations that essentially have monopolies on global resources. What kind of protections like, would you put in place? Um, well, I think specifically in terms of globalization with uh, big companies like Nestle, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, they're owning um, water uh, sources around the world, especially in low-income e- countries, allowing the government to retain control over their own natural resources instead of passing up the uh, the control to these corporations that do not have the country's best interests in mind, and maybe the governments do benefit from allowing the resources to be hijacked by uh, these corporations, but it's the people that suffer. Um, In the case of Nestle in uh, India, if I recall correctly, I can't remember which um, time I watched a documentary on this a while ago. So, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but in those cases, the, the government had given permission to those companies. Mm-hmm. for the access to resources, right? So, so are we then proposing that the government shouldn't have the right or ability to like, sell these resources? I think they can sell the resources, but I don't think the control of the resources should be managed by corporations, if that makes sense. Like, I think water within a country still belongs to the government. The rights to all that water should not be owned wholly by a corporation, and it should still be the local people who are directly affected by this lack of water that, as it is being taken by corporations, uh, such as Nestle, to, um, to make their products. It's the people that suffer, and they have to buy back their own water. So, Russell... So, um, his, so that that government, um, obviously, then because they had chosen to give 
this corporation, this level of power, right? That government is no longer serving their people, right? Mm-hmm. In those cases, wouldn't like this is we're just going back on the conversation that we were having before. Wouldn't giving that government more tax revenue or giving them more funds, wouldn't that also have very minimal effect in terms of increasing the living standards of the local people? Since that government is obviously not serving the best interests of the local people. Yeah, I suppose that is true. It's true that democracy doesn't always function to serve the people and it is in a lot of developing countries not as transparent um, as it could be and that's <laughs> i guess there's just so many interconnected problems and we put a lot of faith in these ideal idealized governments but you're right in that, that if the government is already not serving its people who is to say that they will continue to do so if given more money? Then what would actually happen to it's these... just It's very complicated. What do you think should actually happen to these things that um, when you say, you know, before that the government should have the rights to them, but if there is a government that might not necessarily be the most responsible to its citizens, and what actually should happen to these resources? Well, if I'm completely honest, I think that essentially, resources such as water and agriculture should not be economic commodities. I think water is a guaranteed universal human right. It should not be something that can be profited off of. Um, then how should- but because we... I don't have any answers to how we should return to having uh, water be a guaranteed universal human right because the fact is that there are companies that exist that profit off of water and as long as they continue to um, make money in global markets off of this there's no way to convince people that um, out of the goodness of their hearts I suppose they should allow the water to flow freely and belong to the people yeah yeah, I think there's a, a like a disconnect between the government's behavior um, in that specific case and what the people necessarily need, right? So, like, the government knows that, like, there, there might be, like, rural villagers that re- rely on this stream that runs, or this river that runs through their town. But they think, like, that, like, whatever tax revenue or licensing fees that they earn from giving Nestle the rights to those rivers, they they prioritize that over the lives, livelihoods of that village. I mean, I think in it's... that case, like, in that case, if it comes down to, like, corrupt government, then it's kind of up to, like, you know, like, global entities to step in, especially if it's, like, a violation of, like, human rights, where it means that then these people are not able to get water. Like, I guess then it's kind of like having the issue, like, shown out there. And it's, like, whenever a violation of human rights happens within, like, certain countries, like, other countries would do things like, you know, tariffs and et cetera to try and get the country to stop. But at the same time, it's, like, how would these, like, rural villages let the world know of, like, their struggles? 
yeah um even if like you know you're in this ideal world where everyone's like understanding the kindness that like everyone should have water there's always going to be like a misconception between like like perhaps like you guys who need like at least like I don't know, like 20 liters of water to take your shower and to like have like a solid t- toothbrush and like, you know, I don't know, like what else do you do with water? Like maybe hose your garden or something like that, although we can't do that right now. Like me- decreasing all of that to just like two liters, would you think that is like realistically, do you think that would be inherently unfair to you? Okay. I think, I think that proposal is, is, is contingent on a few things, right? And the first of which is that the water that we save can be transported to the people who need it. And like, that is something that just like realistically is really unfeasible because just like the cost of transporting water from Auckland, New Zealand to like this rural counties of India would probably cost more like in terms of water than the water that you transport. So I think, that type of policy exists only in like very ideal situations um and then the next thing is like but i like there are obviously countries that have droughts and in those cases like but yeah the problems in terms of that, well, it's kind of like, it's really, like, it's really arbitrary, like, in terms of, like, the, it's like there's a lot of luck involved in terms of where you're born, right? So it's very difficult. Well, firstly, it's very difficult for us to transport the water there, but then, like, the fact that maybe the whole continent is going through a drought, like, there's very little that we, we can do to, um, like, throwing money at those people, like, definitely will help them survive, but it's not going to, give them water if that makes sense um i think there's a lot of misconceptions about water scarcity in the world as a whole so for example in the case of a lot of sub-saharan africa it's not necessarily that there's a physical water scarcity there is enough water that exists in uh the natural stores of water to support the population in their standard of living if not more water it's just that that water due to a lack of infrastructure is unable to be effectively distributed to the people and I think that's the case with a lot of places with water scarcity it's not that there isn't water that exists it's just the uh, the distribution of the water is not as effective as it could be so in this dream folk future in which um, water is considered a basic human right um, and in these third world countries in which the governments can't tax enough to get the money to build this infrastructure to combat water scarcity, um, who pays? Who would solve this problem if the government's not able to? Yeah, so I think this is um, coming back to the discussion we were having about corporations, right? So let's like for a struggling government like maybe in a country that is experiencing a really terrible drought like malawi or something if nestle comes along and says like hey we're going to pay you x y amount of money and 
Like, we'll just take some of this water that you might not even have access to. That suddenly becomes a prospect that's really enticing for these governments because they get this cash injection and they might not actually lose out on resources that they didn't have the infrastructure to access anyway in the first place. So I think in that specific case, then this corporation, like while on the surface, this interaction seems like harmful because you're giving up something that's like critical to your country. But on the other hand, like for a government that's got their hands tied, that's like suddenly a decision that doesn't seem as um, harmful. I think with the flows of water within between stores, um, there, unless you're extracting water from like the bottom of the Sahara, for example, I don't know if there is water that exists uh, that cannot be used necessarily. Like we say, you said um, that corporations would take uh, water from stores that could not be accessed by local people. And it would be a cash injection to the government uh, to say, invest in more um, uh, water distribution um, infrastructure. But then at that point, the water has already been taken and who, even if they have, they now have the money to uh, build, like say a system of pipelines to be able to divert those that water to the population, you've already sold the rights of the water to the companies and now they own the rights to that water and um and that then we kind of need two things for the companies one is like transparency in what they're doing so that like the general public who chooses to maybe like buy something from nestle knows the kind of thing that they're like spending their money on right because it's like if you buy like maggie noodles it's like you're not thinking about like what the company itself is doing but it's kind of like if you allow that transparency to be there then consumers can like make more of a balanced choice so maybe instead of like restricting exactly what the company can do you can restrict like how private they are about it and then um the second thing would kind of be like like consumers like becoming more ethical in their choices so they would look into that kind of thing and like once that information is freely available to use that in their consumerism because at the end of the day like these companies aren't going to profit if people don't keep buying their things Hmm. and i think it's difficult to make ethical purchases because since so many people are buying from these uh big companies they're able to lower their prices and more people will continue buying them i mean there's a reason there's an economic reason why a lot of people don't go vegan and that's because vegan food substitutes are a lot more expensive than just eating meat because there's so much meat being produced at this point um that they're able to reduce the prices even though if you really think about it the um the amount of money that is the amount of money and resources that is spent on raising livestock means that meat is inherently more expensive than than uh, 
plant substitutes, but just because so many people continue to buy and continue to feed money back in into the meat, uh, the meat industry, it makes it difficult to make ethical purchases because at the end of the day, it's about convenience and a lot of unethical companies, because they have such unethical business uh, practices, are able to make their products more convenient to the consumer. Then do you um, think that um do you think that it's okay for like I don't know the world to just rely on people changing their behaviors from like hardcore carnivore meals to vegetarian and expect that to be what changes the world? I don't think it's realistic. Um I think it's ideal, sure. Uh but People just don't like being told what to do. And I guess that that comes back to the, the initial question about the obligation to give. People don't like being told what they can and cannot do. Um, we place so much emphasis on free will that it doesn't, it doesn't register to make a sacrifice um, in order to benefit the world as a whole, even though if a large enough amount of people were able to make that switch it would um it could create so much change i would love for everyone in the world to reduce the meat in their diets and um uh not feed back into that completely not only an unethical uh meat industry but resource wasting um meat industry but while the option exists people are not going to make that conscious choice and a lot of in you, a lot of cases people okay. do not have the income to make that conscious choice then do you think it's like okay for the government to be like we're going to put restrictions on like the food that people can eat so we're gonna like through through like policies make our country like vegan yeah, I think I think the conversation, which is whether or not people, so this links back to the original question, which is whether or not people should be able to spend money on indulgences, right? Because like, okay, we can we can classify meat consumption as an indulgence, right? It it's mm -hmm. expensive. Well, in some countries, it's expensive. In New Zealand, apparently, it's cheaper to be a vegan actually, um, but in, meat is often really expensive. Uh, in countries like New Zealand, um, and it's resource heavy rather than just growing plants, right? In those cases, should we allow people who can afford it or people who want it the option to indulge? Um, so uh, similar examples would include things like chocolate or wine. Uh, uh, just because those things are more expensive to produce or more resource heavy, does it mean that we shouldn't be allowed to consume them? I think that's kind of like an infringement on, I don't know. Like, it's like, if you're going to like become vegan or whatever, like if it's ultimately who would it benefit? Like if say you're going to do something because it would help like people in like poorer countries, right? Um, It's like, you personally are not responsible for their like the 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 country they were born in 
or like the circumstances they were born in and i think like we can't tell everyone to like stop buying a chocolate or you know stop eating meat because it's going to help other people i think like the better switch would be just like a kind of like social messaging where like you kind of prompt people to consider that more and i think like there is a switch that's happening like now where people are buying more and more ethical things they are expecting things from companies like it's part of the reason why like companies donate to charities and make it like a really big thing because like they know that that will make them more popular to their consumers so it's like while it would be difficult and while it is like perhaps like economically unviable to make ethical purchases now it like i don't think it's impossible to at least get a gradual shift towards ethical mm. consumerism rather than like a force like governmental like or oh, you can't buy meat or whatever yeah 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 it's like an infringement on freedom of choice mm. i agree with that i think enforcing legislation that restricts people's um lives uh, their purchases or their purchase habits um it does it would not go over well like people would not accept that it would be very difficult to pass laws like that in the first place um but i think you're right in saying that like there needs to be a shift so that people are more aware of their actions and i think that's that comes back to education you know um the more people are aware of the power that they have in the world and their decision making and the i guess the guilt that they feel for every action we need to progress so that people do feel guilt for um their purchases people feel guilt for the amount of money they make people feel uh guilt for buying up resources uh from lower income nations what about like um if we compare this to like restriction of like gun use right like this is again like a restriction of like consuming and using a product um if, if like you know using a gun is obviously going to harm someone and if like eating meat is going to harm like your environment with like you know all of this um water and like resources that these cows are using um why why shouldn't people just be like i don't know like what if 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 um the, it's okay for some governments to ban guns why isn't it okay for governments to ban other products that are harmful to society i think it depends on the like how harmful it is like obviously if you have a gun and the ability to like you know end like 50 lives in based like in like half an hour it's not the same as like the gradual effect of like buying one steak you know like that kind of thing yeah. is like a built up effect whereas a gun is like one individual's effect that yeah i think it's also just more it's also just more obvious that a gun is harmful um and people don't think as deeply about consuming meat as they do because about a gun because like uh like Renity said you you shoot a gun you kill a person um and and i think um the question of banning guns is also kind of funny because there are countries where 
there is not legislation to ban those because there's such vocal opposition to uh, the banning of guns. And I think it's just important that education be used so that people understand the out the outcomes of their actions so that the people who are advocating for meat, who are advocating for big corporations, who are advocating for guns, um, become a minority as the generations pass because people are more aware of the ethical implications of their actions and what they're supporting. I mean, there are people who are like diehard gun activists and there are people who are diehard anti-gun activists and will also never change their minds. And you say that it's no use. These diehard gun activists would also argue that like, you know, I have a gun, I'm not going out and shooting them at people all day. So I don't see why the harm is obvious on my part. Um, in like the same way that meat eaters are like, you know, I'm just eating a steak. I'm just enjoying like, you know, the flavors of this meat. And I don't see how this is particularly harmful to the global sphere of like the environment. If you're going to make something like ethical, like if you're going to have like that kind of signaling to be ethical, I think you kind of have to like understand that people, I feel like if you're going to make something like ethical, like if you're going to have like that kind of signaling to be ethical, I think you kind of have to like understand that people, like they cannot be ethical all the time. And like when um, Russell was talking about like how people should feel guilty, like if they like taking resources, et cetera, et cetera. I don't necessarily agree with that. It's like, I don't think you should feel guilty for being born in like a privileged status. Like at the end of the day, you had no control over that. Like you didn't decide that you were going to be born into a family where, you know, you have the luxury of not worrying about where your next meal would come from, etc. So it's like, if you're going to feel guilty, if you're going to make every single privileged person in the world just feel guilty over all of their actions, I don't think that really like does anything except make people feel bad i think like people have a limit of how much they can care about things it's probably better that every person is shown the kind of implications of stuff and then they kind of choose what things they would care about and they act to better those things so if like people decide oh they want to help the environment then they could go they could become vegan etc etc but then if someone else decides that's not their main focus but they would rather like help with like education etc like they could act towards that so i think there's kind of a limit on how much we can like expect each person to contribute to bettering society and it should be up to people to like choose the things they care about and choose the things they act for rather than feeling guilty for every single action they take this marks the end of philanthropy part two how to give Tune in next week when we explore to whom those with wealth should give. If you like this episode, give the podcast a follow on wherever you're listening so you'll be the first to know when we upload. We'll be releasing an episode every Sunday New Zealand time. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're Generation Discourse everywhere.